0: jokes aside i mean if we don't tell our own stories we shouldn't get pissed off when people tell our stories wrong you know we need to start being accountable for our stories untainted podcast um yeah we're back again and today we're talking the business of water um most of the time we really do not we think about the water, we just drink and we move on, or we drink bottled water, we just throw it away, and we never think about sort of the business of water. Today, I've got, um, you know what, let me stop rambling as I always do, let him introduce himself. <laughs> How are you, my brother? All right,
1: man. When you said let's go, I almost put up a rap. I almost just started <laughs> rapping. Let's go. And then I was like, hey my own hot nine one one or something. <laughs> What's that thing called?
0: Hot nine nine seven. Hot nine nine
1: seven. I'm about to drop some lines. <laughs> How are
0: you doing today, man? I'm
1: all right, man. I'm all right. No, How easy, you? easy,
0: easy, easy. Um, please introduce yourself to our community.
1: Yeah. So yeah, no, my name is um, Marendeni, uh, my last name is Mafumo. I am from I'm from Venda. I'm from a township called Shandiman
0: Venda. Mm. I think when you greet in Venerable
1: Yep, that's good. <laughs> uh, I can survive it. <laughs> oh, well, you can survive the first part. <laughs> <Like>, uh, <laughs> I break the ice a little bit
0: there. Um, I think before even getting into the whole conversation, I mean, as I've babbled in the introduction, I think in the water space, we never talk about, you know, what is the current situation, I think, within South Africa that we're facing when it comes to... Um, Water quality and water safety. Yeah. You know, we just drink water, but not really taking into consideration what is actually happening on the ground. Yeah. You being in the water space, can you give us sort of... Yeah, kind of I mean, like I'm a little bit of context. Yeah. So
1: I... What year is it now? 2020. I spent about... Um, so I spent the last 12 years or so working... So I used to work for municipalities in the past. So I used to work for City of Cape Town, Water and Sanitation Department, and Joburg Water. Mm. Um, it's quite interesting how the two cities are quite, quite different, but the same at the same time. Um, one, of the, one of the major indicators uh, when it comes to water is, so if you look at communities, especially within the big cities, if you look at um, Joburg, Cape Town, Durban, Nairobi, in Kenya, um, to some extent Abuja, Nigeria, is that the communities that have um, resources will constantly have resources and probably even a little bit more resources than other communities. And the communities that do not have, um, it's often the case that ex- extension of those resources is very difficult. So from a South African point of view, there are, well, almost 11 million people that do not have access to safe drinking water. And there's almost 3,200 odd schools in the country that do not have clean water, that do not have safe sanitation as well as safe... Um, um, um hygiene uh, programs such as toilets and hand-washing stations. That's over 3,000 schools um, in, 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 in just in one country alone. Within the SADIC region, we're looking at about a trillion, trillion rands worth of a, of a financial gap needed to bridge the gap between people that have water and people that do not have water. Mm-hmm. Um, so municipalities, uh, in where I used to work in the past, one of the biggest challenges is the... Um, <laughs> so municipalities are faced with a lot of challenges. So, one of them is that if you are a Joburg municipality, you've got sentence high income, very, very high income communities that you need constantly to send water to in order to generate revenue. Your revenue needs to, one, maintain the infrastructure that you send into center. two, it needs to try to extend infrastructure. But it's very hard to do that in an environment where you can't even map the area. So, mm-hmm. for example, in an area such as Zanspread where we used to work, It's an informal settlement. It's very, very difficult to map an informal settlement because people are constantly moving and shifting. Um, So municipalities have to balance the act of revenue generating activities in their water, the universal right to access to safe drinking water, which is in our Bill of Rights, and some ability, um, some ability to control to control that. So be it from an infrastructure point of view, security of that infrastructure, as well as generating the revenue. Mm. It's very difficult for municipalities, and, and hence, and hence in South Africa we still have, pff, you know, well over 11 million people, 12 million people with no access to safe drinking water. And um, globally, it's about almost a billion people do not have clean water.
0: I mean, we tend to be very ignorant when it comes to water. Um, I keep on re-emphasizing the ignorance, like, I think when you're just drinking water and not thinking about where the water is coming from. Sure, yeah. I mean, our first experience of water coming to an end (laughs) was in 2016 with the whole drought situation. I mean, uh, I was looking at some research saying that, you know, in 2030, so-and-so, we're going to be experiencing a lot of El Ninos Mm -hmm. where water patterns and rain patterns are just thrown out, Yeah. you know. Um. There was one thing that, you know, I was watching uh, on a TED Talk that you provided at the University of Free State, and you spoke about this conundrum of Santon washing your Ferrari and, you know, deep snowed where people have to walk for water. Is there such a thing as equality when it comes to water?
1: Ooh, that's a very good question. Equality when it comes to water. I mean, social justice dictates that um, everyone should have universal access to water, food, shelter, as well as some sort of energy um so that has not been achieved yet um there are a variety of definitions of equality <laughs> so, um <laughs> yeah. equality to someone genuine genuinely means i have to wash my ferrari and that yeah. that's a genuine genuine thing i mean it might just mean that if I don't wash my Ferrari, how am I going to go out with my boys? Am gonna <laughs> how am I going to make money? How am I going to do? Because yeah. I haven't won my, I washed my Ferrari. So job a water, I need my water right now. Um, and and that could be a genuine fight. Mm. It could be a genuine <laughs> social justice problem. <laughs> um, um, and, 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 and you look at an environment where I come from in Venda where um, you on average you have to walk for about three or so kilometers to go fetch your water. And in gen- uh, generally speaking, that water is coming from a tanker. It's coming mm. from a tank. So uh, the tank will come in. There's two there's two scenarios. One, the tank will come in and fill tanks, the um the 5000 liter tanks the tank goes away you come in and fill your your bucket and then you take it home second scenario is the tank comes you line up um, and you get your water and, and in a lot of that regard is I just need 25 liters to drink mm. I just need 25 liters to to cook with I just need 25 liters to ensure that um, we, we've got we've, we can keep hydrated in a 40 degree Celsius heat such as Venda, that's vital mm. <laughs> it's a human right yeah so we haven't we haven't been able to achieve um, social justice when it comes to, when it comes to access to safe water. you um, um, so know, no, the SDG goal number six says, you know, sort of, um, it looks at it from a, do you have somewhere? It doesn't necessarily mention the distance, it doesn't necessarily mention the, you know, it doesn't mention um, the uh, quality does mention to some extent, but it doesn't really mention. It's in your house. It's not in your house. It's next to your house. It's maybe two kilometers away. But do you have some sort of a water stream, um, so water source mm-hmm. or, um, 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 that you can get water from? And in, in our in our su- in our government, when they talk about, I think it's a 95 percent. Um, it it includes people that actually don't have water in their homes. Um, it, it includes people that have to go fetch the water, and it's not constantly on. There are. In, in in my township where water gets closed at 4 p.m. and gets open at 4 a.m., statistically speaking, they say that person has water, but that person really doesn't have water.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, uh, 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 now when you're talking about it, brings a lot of context. I'm I'm fr- I'm from Spooking, yeah. Steving, and just recently we just saw that Stewing's water was closed. It does not make sense because the VAR River is just here. Yeah. <laughs> Still in the TED talk, you speak about sort of the infrastructure being too expensive. You know how do we go about, I mean being a leader now in your own space, how do you now say to City of Johannesburg or Rand Water to change the structures, how yeah. do you go there? Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So look it's 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 very complex and hence it's not so it's, it wouldn't be as um an, an easy conversation to have with either one of the boards. Mm-hmm. Um it's quite interesting. My grandmother is um stays in Sharpville. Mm. Um and we I mean you, you you the Val 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 Dam Val Dam is right there. Um, but water is a scarcity, mm. so the, the the concept right now is such that um, it's a centralized centralized, highly centralized environment. So you, uh, it's mostly reliant on rainwater collection. So rainwater comes down basins. Um, I mean, obviously the cycle of the cycle of life is is is, is important. Um, water evaporation, rain. Yeah. And, and, and so forth and so forth, that's very vital. But what happens in, in a lot of cases, especially in a country such as ours, or in a continent such as ours, where we've got the inability to, the inability economically um, to put up a lot of infrastructure to collect as much water as possible with the physical scarcity of water. So the two the two don't necessarily work together. As you correctly point out, globally, we've got rainfall about 900 millimeters on average mm. per year, globally. South Africa has about four f- four fifty five per year <laughs> millimeters. Um, so physically speaking, we just simply do not have enough rain that comes down. At the moment, we collect our rainwater from Val River system, the Katze River system um, in the um, and Cape Town. They've got a whole lot of basins that um, and, and 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 sort of water harvesting, water collection systems, and a lot of dams. The Cape Town, the Western Cape system works works well, relatively well, uh, consider. Uh, Um, um, given um, that rain comes. So how it works is that rain comes, we collect it in these big basins, it goes through a natural process of treatment, gets pumped from one stage to the next, which is sometimes in a reservoir, uh, it's like a flat Mm -hmm. land structure, or in a tower, which is a a, a tower structure, um, and then it gets pumped into the different areas. So we get it from rainwater into Johannesburg, city of Johannesburg, then city of Johannesburg sends it to Centen and all these other areas. It's a very highly centralized environment. It's very, very expensive. So if there's a pipe burst, um, the cost of checking it and servicing it is very high. What needs to happen is they need to go, we need to go through the Israel type of model where it's highly decentralized, mm. where uh, Israel, Malaysia, they've got this concept of a water matrix. So it's four different sources of water, all working to ensure that each city each village, each community has water, mm. so it's you've got as much rainwater as possible. Great, Sp- you've got as much pr- groundwater as possible that you keep recharging as much as possible. Fantastic, you've got as much um, seawater as possible that you can desalinate. Try and use it at, as at industrial scale or mm-hmm. small scale as possible got as much wastewater that you can try and recycle as much as possible uh, to try and use for agricultural purposes. So we need a matrix, a combination of a matrix which allows for a s- decentralized model. So if you're in Cape Town, it should be easier and cheaper to get more desalination projects going, mm-hmm. um, small scale, medium scale, and large scale. So that's that would be a, a way to look at it um, and allowing for private businesses to acquire licenses as. a a little bit easier yeah Uh, acquiring a water use license is a 365 day process even on their website they're not even ashamed to say 365 (laughs) days
0: (laughs) i'm not laughing in my head when you say that i'm just thinking about escom with also the regulations when it comes to um, alternative power source also So also in the water space, also it's the same thing. I mean, it's even worse
1: in water space. PPPs and um, and, 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 and IP, uh, independent power producers, are, are a lot more recognized in energy than in, in, in water. There needs to be some sort of recognition for private water producers, private water uh, bulk distributors. So the boards, so what happens is that the Department of Water Affairs, um, which is the South African government, basically owns all of surface water. Mm. Um, even beneath the surface, they own all of the, the rights to any water that comes from the rain, um, any water that comes from the sea and all of that stuff, right? So, then the water boards, which is the Umge water board, Sidiweng, um, um, Johanne's uh, Rainwater, rain mm. uh, City of Cape Town, then get a license. From this from okay. the Department of Water Affairs. Yeah. yeah. In a sense. I mean yeah. it's, okay, it's not a license, but basically they get licensed to operate this big bulk water infrastructures for the Department of Water Affairs. They've got things that they need to comply with, which is called a blue drop, um, blue drop status. Yeah. Um so that same process needs to be a lot relaxed in order to allow for private public partnerships. Um so if you go to uh, an area called Chikonero in Venda, me as a person, as a, as me as Kusini Water, mm-hmm. um, it should be a lot easier for me to say, I will find an alternative water source. I will build the water reticulation system. I will build the water distribution system. Um, I will build a solar powered water purification system and I will distribute it to the region. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I get obviously licensed back to the Department of Water Affairs and I collect as much revenue as licensed, um, and I operate this thing, and I maintain this thing for you. Uh, be, uh, con- um, obviously, with the idea that I'm complying with all the reg- regulations, um, it should be it, sh- it should work a little bit better like than that. Because then I can get financing yeah. from World Bank, mm-hmm. DBSA, even even private venture capital finances that. Because I will know that I'll be able to generate revenue from those activities. So that's that's really the idea where we should be going. We um, should it should, be, it, should be, it, sh- it, sh- it should it should start to work little bit better that way
0: okay so you know when i was looking at your business i was like wow what a journey you know but i mean you had a well-paying job right (laughs) and you decided let me start my own what was the process you know like to saying you know what i'm gonna start off my own brand and everybody (laughs) will always think like when i First discovered you, it was during a Red Bull event, yeah. and everybody always thinks ah, it was just it just came yesterday, yeah. you know, <laughs> not realizing you know what um the amount of work that has been placed in, you know, yeah. um because when I was doing my research, but I just want to understand you know that moment when you decided you know what I'm leaving my nine to five, I'm gonna start up this thing.
1: Yeah, two o eight I got my first job as an intern. Two oh eight <laughs> 2008, I got my, fir- my first job as an intern in a water, in an industrial wat- water treatment plant. Um, I worked for Joburg Water, City of Cape Town, um, in, in combination for about 10 years. Um, one o- I mean, there's a few things. It's, it was a co- it's a combination of a few things. So this has been in the works for 10 years, yeah. a lot more, because even when I was doing my BTEC, my research was in uh, small scale water treatment facilities. So we've been doing this. I've been doing this for 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 twelve, fourteen years, somewhere there. One of the things that came that happened was that I I was part of the the YALI program, the first the first ever intake for the Young African Leadership Initiative program, when I was working at Jobekwater.
0: Water. Um,
1: I used to be part of this thing they call it the young young what do they call that thing. Young Water Professionals Association, yeah. something like that, yeah. where we looked at uh, different research, research, um, research stuff that's happening within the water space. Um, and I wanted to be involved in improving access to water for my community. We were working on a project locally in a municipality where we were looking at the impact that water tankers have in a community. It's a very interesting mm-hmm. project. So we take all the water tankers that the city has in the in the within the jurisdiction and we study the impact that has over a period of time so that's impact on health health parameters impact on the way that the water looks uh, over over a period of time and with the idea that maybe Jobic water can find a way of scaling this to more and more communities um so that was very interesting for me to look at what other of creed or like sort of you know sort of a um, different um, from the bulk water um, systems can we do to ensure that we can we can supply water to these communities. It's very, very difficult to do that in a municipal setting yeah. because municipalities are
0: structured and yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> full of red tape. W- yeah.
0: What do they say? Never reinvent the wheel if you're in such environments, eh? Yeah. That's the thinking. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So when I was at the Yali program, I was lucky to go to um, I was lucky to go to Yale. Yale has a Great school of design um, design engineering and mm. something something um, I spent many many days there. It was the first time that I actually saw a 3 d printer um, and 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 one of the things that strike me was just how quickly you can produce stuff so exciting like you can dream about something right now over a desk similar to this um, build it up into a, we're building it up like in paper and yeah. straws mm-hmm. and all these things mm-hmm. um and then you take that model, put it in a CAD design, and then after you take that CAD design, within a week, you can have some sort of a prototype. You can have something that looks like something that, sh- that can function. And that was the first time I ever learned from a guy called, uh, what's his name? Eric Rice, mm-hmm. the Lean Startup Methodology. First time I ever then spoke about Motorola, what Motorola did. And I was like, imagine applying Lean Startup Methodology with something as swift as 3D printing mm-hmm. in a in addressing... One of the world's biggest problems: shortage of drinking water. Hmm. So that was my thinking. I was like, um, I wonder if we can apply lean methodology, uh, some sort of three D printing, some sort of nanotech, um, to address water shortage. Little did I know that I'm working into <laughs> like. <a> <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So 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 2014. That was in 2014. I spent another two years um, working for Jobber Water, and then I left in 2016 to focus on building out this 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 solution It started off very different mm. as, as 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 you know so the idea was to produce a device 3d printed device uh, that would attach to traditional water streams that anyone can come and get their water from any traditional water stream purify it and then store it but it doesn't really work so well because in a lot of areas of like water work in there's no traditional water stream mm. the traditional water stream will be like a river but there's still a burden of carrying the water, getting a bucket, and all these things. So I said, it's better to purify water, send it to people's homes. Yeah,
0: yeah. wow. So moving from an aspect of being an inventor to a business owner, how how difficult was that? Because I mean, <laughs> a lot of uh, you know when we speak to a lot of people like creatives, you know, they are creatives and they're gifted, but when it comes to the whole operation of the business, it's something else. Because what I'm 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 I'm, I'm pointing to this is um, you stated in one of the interviews that, you know, your first rodeo or first adventure of the business really failed until, you know, um, you had mentors and you had the likes of Red Bull coming in. How was that different with trying to balance being an inventor and a business owner?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, he I mean, just now, even bef- just just literally the call before this interview, I, um, I was on a call with my business um, coach, consultant. I am not want to call her a coach. She's like my consultant at a very prestigious consulting firm. I've got 33 hours worth of time from Bain and Company, which is like amazing. It's like a couple hundred thousands uh, free free time. Um, and one of the, one of the an- anxieties is that so <laughs> uh, I w- yeah, I mean you don't realize just how difficult it is to actually run a business. Mm-hmm. So in the beginning it was just me and maybe someone else. So it was like you know, like we wing it, wing it, wing it, wing it, wing it, wing it. And then you realize that, oh, if you get a project and you wing it, you are going to lose money. <laughs> you, you, there's no, you are going to lose money. Um, you might make the first amount, but the, so if you continue to wing it, we winged it, we lost money. We lost time. We lost customers as well because mm. we're just winging everything. Um, it needs structure. Mm. So then what happens then is that you hire a person to maybe, let's say, take care of admin. And then after you hire a person to take care of admin, you're like, oh, yeah, no, now I need a person to take care of installations. Now I need a person to take... So you get to a point where you realize that before you know it, like right now, we've got maybe five, six different accounts, like big accounts with DHL, with Red Bull, Red Mutual, University uh, of Victoria, um, Anglo-American, mm. or Tambo Foundation, DuPont. Uh, we've got... And these are accounts that are active mm. right now. Mm. You then wake up and you realize that uh you are actually running a company like you're, you're, this is actually a job that you've got <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh and anxieties start to to build up yeah. to build up yeah. so um so like even just now I was talking about our ability that now we've got a lot of people that we employ mm-hmm. the people that have taken out financing for their cars, whatever because of the fact that they've got this job it's a huge risk it's a very very different risk to. Where we were three years ago, where it was just me. Yeah, um, <laughs> as the inventor and as an inv- as an inventor. Yeah. So the difficulty, the biggest, the biggest, biggest difficulty is the transition. It's not for everyone. And I mean, right now, I've the reason why I've got a business consultant and someone that works primarily on the business because it's not my strong point. Mm. So it's a case of realizing where your strong points lie. I still want to be tinkering, I still want to be building, I still want to be doing installations. They try and pull me away physically. They're like, hey, no, 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 come back. Where are you going? They, they, they still have to drag me out of a site. Yeah. Um, when I'm putting in pipes and all those things, they still say to me, no, 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 no. You shouldn't be doing this. You're wasting your time. You should be doing focus on, 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 on the bigger picture. So it's important um, to recognize those strengths where the strengths where the strengths lie. Um, So for me, I know where my strengths, a lot of my strengths lie. I know it's in a certain period. It's not before, mm. and it's definitely <laughs> not after. Yeah. Uh, once I'm done, I'm done with a the site. There's someone that needs to take care of that site. Because yeah. because I'm moving fast, you know, mm. I'm moving. I'm mm. c- I want to move on to the next one because I want to do the installations. Um. And if you don't take care of the site, you start to lose money. You start to lose credibility. You start to lose money. Um. You start to lose time as well maintaining a site that is just a dead end. So, um. So for me, it was a a huge transition. But it's always better to bring people. Mm. Uh, it's always better to. Even if it's like three or four core people in the business that you know will complement all of your weaknesses. Also, very, very important. One of the things that I learned when I ten, when I ten 35 was that, and I appreciate it now. Uh, I really, I really, really appreciate it now. Is that um, I can? It's okay. It's okay for me to just do the things that I'm really, really excited about and, 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 and to just do the things that I really, really am good at. It's okay, like I don't have to do everything. Mm. Like, I don't, like when I'm doing a site launch, I don't have to take photos, for example. Um, I don't have to do the electronics because I'm not good at electronics. I shouldn't even think about doing electronics. <laughs> I realize yeah. now that there is the only way that we'll be able to scale um, is if I don't have to do whatever that I'm not qualified to do that I don't have skills to do and that I really don't enjoy doing. So now I assign duties. Mm. I say to people, you have to do this. We've hired you with this skill and mm. you make sure that you do it. And, and it's, it's turning out great. Oh. W-
0: when did it all become real? When you're like, okay, you know what? The first Avenger didn't work out. We, I on the second part, when we had mentors and had structures and now it's becoming a solid structure. When did we all become like, okay, this is becoming real. 20, this year. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we started saying 2016, that's when yeah. you started. Yeah, And, and started. we're in 2020, yeah. close to November. Yeah. So we're literally heading to the fifth year. That's when everything. Yeah. I think. yeah and what, what happened? <laughs> when, um, what was the uh-huh aha <laughs> moment?
1: <laughs> the aha uh-huh moment was when, um, Oh, I mean, one of the difficulties is product, product, product market fit, product market fit. Like, you've got a product, if it works, blah, 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 it's supposed to do this, this, that, that, does it work for the market? Um, This year, I think we've got it. Mm. Um, And after that, guys, I think one of the things that we actually don't, as startups, we are so obsessed with um, innovating, I want to use the word innovating, Mm. like, what to be so innovative. There are places we don't have to be innovative. Just do the very basics. Do the basics. Do do it really well. One of the things that i have done that we've done w- this year, and we've done we've tried to do better, is to standardize our product. Don't innovate. Don't add features. Don't um, don't try and make it exciting. Don't add facial recognition. Don't add AI. Don't add blockchain. Whatever the <laughs> thing that people are talking yeah, about, yeah, yeah. make it functional make it functional for the product, for the market that you want the product to fit in and roll it out. Like R- actually sell it, sell it, roll it out, stop playing games yeah. Um, because there's no point in innovating and, and tinkering and all these things when the product is actually not, not selling. Mm. Just go out there, get one or two products that, are, that, are that work, that, are, that meet the, the, the standard. Once you've established a minimum viable product, sell the product. That's what Google does well. That's mm. what Facebook does well. Yeah. Um, they've got their product and they know how to sell the crap out of it, out of that product.
0: Hmm. I mean, you touched on, <laughs> I was reading, <laughs> when, I, when I heard it, I really loved it. You you have this uh, Robin Hood model. Yeah. And I really loved it. Um, so how how does how, how did you guys decide, okay, how are we go we're going to implement sort of this model yeah. to really help out communities? Because I feel like when you're in the space and you are now, contributing a bit of revenue for the business, your core focus is revenue. Revenue, yeah. But now when you're saying, but no, within revenue, we need to give back. How did that model really come about? Because,
1: you know, one of the things in social entrepreneurship is that, um, so you've got a scale, right? You've got a scale of, I'm a non-profit, so all I do is to do community work. Mm. All I do is to pour in everything in the community. And this scale, and this side of the scale, where all you do is to generate revenue mm. and chase after revenue mm. and like what's that word like after in the, you're in the game you know what there's a word like you're pushing it you're in the game all you're doing is like you focus on the money and the commercial and what you try and do obviously is to try and put yourself this way when you to the middle to the middle of it or at all times mm. sometimes it feels like we're going this way too much we're in a, in a site. I get too excited about sites. So one of the, one of the reasons why I shouldn't be going to sites. <laughs> so I'd go on site and yeah. I find other problems, mm. and I want to solve some of the other problems. Like for example, food, which is a solvable problem with water. <laughs> <laughs> it's true though. Yeah, well, it, it's true, but yeah. I shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. Um, so then you start to get pulled too much on the social, and then you start to lose some money. Mm. Um, so one of the things we try and do is to pull ourselves in the from if we are going too far out of each direction. Um, so. What we do is that for each product or for each contract that we have it 's as simple as when we sp- when we earn a rent in in income, about twenty percent of that goes into a, a com- into a community water project or goes into a site or goes into a community that needs access to safe drinking water, but can't afford to pay for it mm-hmm. and can't afford to sustain it. One of the reasons. Fifty percent of all water projects fail within the first two to three years, mm. in, in, and this is within the developing world. And part of the reason that's the case is because a, and everyone will tell you this uh, when you, wh- if you go to a, a lot of in low-income communities that have a lot of NGOs that work there, is that if the pump fails, for example, the hand excuse me, the hand pump if something fails, no one in that community is going to pay for that pump to be fixed. true. Um, and that's part of the reason why that's those projects fail, because the pump fails. Yeah, that's it. And
0: no one maintains it. N- and no one maintains it. And yeah. And it
1: breaks further than yeah. initially, yeah. And then it gets stolen and everything. So that's the NGO model, where you come and donate something, and within the first two to three years, that thing is broken. Or n- and then there's the tablet, where the, you know, people send tablets to clean the water every day, and then after two years, they just stop sending the tablets, and the water is not clean anymore. So what we try and do is that we ensure that you sustain the projects by our commercial activities. So when we sell filters or so when we sell water, when we fill, sell purification systems for offices, for buildings, for companies, for, imp- for impact sites, um, about 20% of that goes into maintaining existing projects mm. um, that are within low income communities. So we've got about roughly 50 of those in, in communities at the moment that are maintained by our commercial activities.
0: Hmm. Any plans of expanding into Africa?
1: With the right partners yeah so we in the moment in talks with a partner in zim um i had a roadmap to go into rest of africa um mm, but yeah we'll see um one of the one of the one of the things that we really need to focus on is how do we solve a problem a recurring problem in in a community in such a way that it's not recurring once we figure that out in South Africa, then it's easy to replicate. It's a very difficult problem to solve. Mm. Um, so I'd like to... We can only wait for data over time to see how easy that problem has been solved mm. or not. So it's very difficult to scale while while we still don't have enough data. But we're in talks in Zim right now.
0: is it frustrating with the lack of data, specifically when you want to go into rural areas or specific areas that don't have data? I really feel in that with projects it becomes very you end up being stagnant because there's a lack of data. Don't you think it's a problem across the board or just Yeah. Look yeah so and and you see that
1: this it, and it becomes expensive to, to, to do projects. Um so 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 it is it is quite challenging um when we've got limited data sets. Um and, and you are the one that needs to build it up. And once you build it up then the maintenance if, yeah you own it um you own you own it um how do you maintain it how do you uh, I, 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 and can you can you become a person that um that uses that to the benefit of the community so it, it's 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 a huge challenge right now we are working with an, another partner a mining organization to try and collect as much data from communities as possible um we'll see how that goes
0: so since 2008 and that's another thing i really thought about was um our first hit of of uh, not a pandemic like crisis you know we had the financial crisis now we have the big pandemic and i hate talking about it but yeah i think at some point we need to talk about it with specifically business leaders yeah you know we were hit with covid and the country had to be shut down Mm. what are some of the key lessons that you feel that you've learned from this pandemic can, can,
1: can you can you can you can you believe it the whole country had to shut down just imagine I like know. imagine shutting down a country and saying people stay at home don't go anywhere
0: this was in south africa that would be the second time the country gets shut down since from 1993 with the state of nation what
1: was it a shutdown in during the state of the nation of the uh, emergency
0: emergency 1993 it was a shutdown and this is our second shutdown Guys, don't quote me. Don't quote me on this. And saying, "Hey, Obi," I'm sure in Venda there was no. <laughs> I was in Venda at the time. I don't remember ever not leaving my house. <laughs> Maybe in Kaoting. <laughs> but don't quote me. But uh, when you look, no, 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 no. i was always on this podcast. <laughs> but I mean, that's how serious it was. I mean, a lot of businesses were affected. A lot of um, you, I, I, I our unemployment rate just went oh, around, yeah. you know, but yeah. what are some of the key lessons you as a business owner, do you think you've learned from a pandemic at this scale?
1: Do you want a cynical answer or a not cynical answer?
0: I want the real answer. Okay, cool.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I hired, I mean, I'm on track to hire four new people since, and due to the pandemic, um, W- it, the cynical answer is don't ever let a good crisis go to waste
0: i've heard that before um, and yeah yeah, yeah. sorry <laughs> mm.
1: don't 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 ever let a good crisis go to waste. that's the cynical answer mm-hmm. i mean there's so many people that have lost loved ones um so many families have been broken up so many jobs have been lost our un- unemployment rate is ridiculous our ruling party and our ruling elite have just Lost complete control and mm. uh, and sense of reality with this country. It's ridiculous. It falls upon us as business people to do something about it. We've hired on track to hire four new people due to and after the pandemic. Um, and one of the things that I one of the things that I really learned from this is that all the businesses that. Survived, and the businesses that are surviving are businesses that are like rooted in um, sort of in reality. Let me put it that way: in sort of in in reality, in that businesses that are rooted or foundationed on debt collapsed immediately. Mm. Heads, the car rental company had a mountain of debts. and that mountain of debt can only be subsidized or be uh, serviced by heads being in operation. Mm. That's a flawed structure. I mean, Mm. such a big company um, shouldn't be operating like that they always tell us you need to have three months worth of savings whatever so airline industry is the second one all the airlines that didn't make it are the airlines again that are built not on a good foundation mm. fly SA fair is like phew, they're, f- they're soaring literally um, excuse the pun <laughs> fly SA fair s a link mm. they're doing really well mm. at the moment um so one of the things that I learned is that this is now, even uh, no, I mean, not even now, like a few months ago, a time to like properly, properly f- focus and be like, this is exactly where my business is going to be. This is exactly what I'm going to do. Now that we've got a crisis, it's much easier to hire people. Mm. It's so much easier to hire people. Hmm. And when you hire people, you created four new jobs, you created one new, one new job, and you're more focused. This is what I did during the pandemic. There was a 21-day shutdown, seven days worth of rest. I took seven days where I woke up at 12. I didn't wear clothes for three days in a row. (laughs) 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 I ate leftover food. I played FIFA online with strangers. I saw at strangers, on FIFA online for seven straight days, where seven days I did nothing, and I was a couch potato. I spent seven days working on my wellness as a person. I spent seven days... Meditating, reading the Bible, um, like just connecting with myself, mm-hmm. reading as many books as I could find, and just developing myself as a person, um, especially as my, my well-being, mental well-being as well. I go through therapy and all of that stuff. And then I spent the last seven days of hard lockdown back on my drawing board. Mm-hmm. I went back on my drawing board. I had a lean, what's that thing called? Lean business model canvas yeah. on my wall. Mm-hmm. I had... Pink paper, sticky notes on my wall. Like, who's my customer? What's my channel? What are my channels? What's my revenue model? What are the products? Uh, what's my value proposition? Like, I was doing all of that alone, mm-hmm. alone. Like, I, d- I did that three, four days in a row. Where every day I would wake up, I'm writing on my wall, like removing stuff. And I was refocused, refocused, refocused. Came out of it, DHL called me to say, hey, dude, uh, what are we going to do about the project? Um... I was like, because they were thinking, even today they mentioned it, like we thought this project was never gonna go anywhere <laughs> due to the pandemic. Yeah. I'm like, guys, we're going to finish this project. Watch it. Today we launched another site. Mm. So it's a very personal story. So for me, it's like, maybe I shouldn't even say this because it's a very personal story. It's an anecdote or a, what's the word? It's, 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 not, it's not based on a huge 6 million people data set. But for me, it gave me a period to reflect, to think, to rest, um, which is a privilege, I suppose, uh, a privilege that not everybody gets or not everybody got or not everybody has because mm. so many people lost their jobs. But I think as startups, as business owners, we can refocus our businesses, refocus on what's important.
0: Wow, um. thank you very much. I think I've held you way too long than expected. Um, if people are interested to really get in touch with your business, how do they go about doing All uh, Olga
1: at Water seriously. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Olga, nah, for so joining us. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, so our website has uh, has a lot of information. So Um Yeah, so there's a lot of information there. Contact details are there as well. Yeah.
0: Wow. Thanks a lot. Cool. Thanks a lot for your time sure. and um, showing some of the beautiful stories that you've done, and all of the best moving forward. Cool, man. Thank you. This was fun. Thanks. And to the community, guys. Um, thank you again for listening to us, and yeah, man. Keep it safe, sanitize, and yeah, keep hydrated. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, guys. Yes.